This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Weekly Podcast for the week of March 19th. I'm your host, William Liu, joining me on the program. Still fuming after that uh, very controversial game played between the Thunder and the Raptors on Sunday night, one in which, you know, this esteemed guest was there for, Joe Wolfon. Joe. What's going on? The people I'm not answers, fuming, man. by the way. <laughs> You're not fuming? Just so everyone knows. Nah, I mean, it was... I thought it was a good game um, that, uh, you know, finished in unfortunate fashion. But uh, I think uh, easy enough to let that one go. Like, you know, I think the Raps were tired, playing a good team, and having won 11 straight, I think, uh, makes it a little bit easier to stomach. Honestly, Wolfon, everything you said there is reasonable. (laughs) However, all people want to do is scream about this game for some reason. Obviously, it was a very controversial finish. It happens. Um, the Raptors were going for their franchise record 12th straight win. They did not get it. By the way, <laughs> there's a lot of people on Twitter being like, wow, this is a reason why the Raptors won't do well in the playoffs. And it's like, yo, they literally just had an 11-game win streak. Can you just chill for one second? But um, Yeah. Well, wait, what's what's the reason that they're saying? This is, <laughs> saying what, was, what was proved in this game exactly? They proved that the Raptors um, can't keep their composure against the officials, which, you know... <laughs> Yes, the Raptors stars complain to the refs. I don't know if you've seen other NBA games and other NBA stars. They all complain to the refs. Um, but um, yeah, you know what? We can start with the OKC game a little bit. Um, you were there. What was the what was the atmosphere like? Um, did you see anybody throwing anything at the refs? <laughs> and is that why they had to be escorted out by security like they were JFK or something? Nah, I mean, nobody threw anything, which which is nice. You know, we weren't at a Jays game. Um, oh. They uh, the the atmosphere was like honestly pretty dead. Like it, oh. one o'clock Sunday start, I think you okay. can probably expect that until until the fourth quarter when when stuff got pretty lively, and, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, there was rightfully, I think, a lot of indignation about that non-call on DeMar at the end of the game. Um, DeMar himself was pretty indignant about it, as he is wont to be. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as getting a security detail to escort the refs out of the game, I don't know that it was necessary, but, like, I guess you can never be too careful, and shit's gone down in Toronto before where officials are concerned. So, you know, I think uh, it's not totally unwarranted. Um. Yeah, I think, look, the takeaway from that game should be that the Raptors and the Thunder both went, like, at each other um, in a way that I feel like this was a nice kind of, you know, the Raptors have gotten into this kind of, not a malaise necessarily, but just that they've been playing so well, the, the results have been so great. I mean, it's a, it's felt like it's been an inevitable, the Raptors win all these games, that um, they haven't even had to try that hard, and, you know, only occasionally, like, beating Washington or beating Houston recently, or even that Pistons game, you know, in later on in the game. But just from the start to the finish, the Raptors coming out and playing just a I, – I thought they were really impressive offensively. Um, you know, you go up and down the roster, obviously no Fred today, but a lot of players had a lot of good games, you know, you know, minus Surge. And, well, none of the bigs really had good games. But, right. But, uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, there was a, good, a lot of good stuff in that game, I thought. Yeah, I thought uh, DeLon played one of the best games of the season. I thought um, at both ends, like, his hands were just so, so active. Like, he was really disruptive at the defensive end. Like, probably, you know, the Raps had a really bad defensive game, I think, but he was an exception. Like, he was just kind of all over the place and really, like, showing a lot of confidence with the ball at the offensive end. Um, He just looked so much more confident shooting it, and um, he made some really nice moves to the basket, Uh, and he was super impressive. Lowry looked great. After having that game off, um, DeMar looks like really worn down to me right now. And I feel like he probably more than anybody, maybe Ibaka as well, like just uh, needs a game off. DeMar's mm-hmm. played every single game. And going back to that Dallas game too, like that was another game where I thought he just looked totally dead. And he managed to pull out some big plays down the stretch to um, get that win. But like for, for 46 minutes of that game, he just looked like he was dragging his feet and looked like he didn't really want to be there. Um, and again, like he's, he's been the team's highest usage player, um, and hasn't gotten a game off this season. Like he, he's been unbelievably durable and we've grown so accustomed to him just like always being there and being reliable. But, um, they're in the middle of a really intense stretch where they're playing a ton of games and not that much time. And it might be time to get him some rest because, uh, he was pretty miserable at the defensive end this game, I thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's honestly usually where it slips with DeMar. Like, when he's fully energized this season, he's really actually stepped up defensively and come up with a couple of possessions where you're like, whoa, that's pretty nice. Um, but, yeah, he's he looks labored to me for sure. Um, and, you know, that, that Mavericks game, I thought, especially, like, he was... I mean, th- that was the second half of a back-to-back. Um, they were playing a Mavericks team that were very stubborn, and, you know, they obviously took it to overtime, uh, it wasn't pretty much until Rick Carlisle decided, oh yeah, I'm tanking, I'm gonna bench JJ Brea, um, when the Raptors actually ran away with that one. But, um, yeah, like, I think getting some rest for these players would really help. I mean, you look at Kyle, for example, right? Kyle's the oldest guy on the team. He got some rest against the Mavericks, and he comes out against the Thunder, comes out and has one of his best games, um, you know, by a per minute basis. I thought, I mean, like, he obviously got, fouled out, which was strange. I didn't think he committed six fouls, but you know, it is what it is. You know, the agenda's against us. Um, 
I mean, yo, okay, the agenda to like, world people, man. Like, yo, like it's a real thing. That. It's a real thing, yeah. and I understand where they're coming from. But like, you just gotta chill. Like, just like fifty percent more. Just, just chill. Like, yeah. Every look, every team is gonna have calls that go against them at inopportune times. Like it happens to literally every team because NBA refereeing is really difficult and it's totally an imperfect science. So uh, you can't you can't go like putting on the tinfoil hat every time you know something happens in an opportune moment that is beyond the Raptors' control. It sucks when it happens. And say this like Lowry maybe had some ticky tack fouls went against him, but like that sixth foul was blatant. Like that that was. That's ridiculous. not blatant, man. That's just he. That, he has just rotund. He's just he's just thick. That's it. You can't yeah, call a foul on him just because he's thick. Look, he's <laughs> all right. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, it, it, the man the man's ass got him fouled out of the game, but he he made a point of sticking it out when uh, when he should have been tucking it in. So how could you tell? How could you tell? <laughs> um, but yeah, man. I think um, honestly. The whole team has looked like a little bit like I think some cracks have started to show even mm-hmm. toward the, the the tail end of the winning streak where um, they haven't been playing good first halves at all. Yeah, um, you know, aside from that Rockets game, which they came out like gangbusters, but every other game, um, like pretty much during the streak, it's like they've been getting down in in the first half mm-hmm. and kind of having to claw their way back by locking in for. You know, sometimes just one quarter is all it takes, but, um, they've been developing, I don't know if it's just bad habits or fatigue, uh, but they, I think defensively is where it's really shown the most. And if you look at like their last seven games, which is kind of going back to that Pistons game, mm-hmm. um, their defensive rating is 109.2, uh, which is 20th in the league over that span. So, yeah. um, you know, for a team that has ranked in the top five all season, uh, I think that's, uh, you know, bit of cause for concern. It's not like they've been playing like top top offensive teams outside of Houston, which was actually like their best defensive <laughs> game during that stretch. It's like they've been playing. They played like the Knicks, the Nets, um, the Mavs, the Pacers. Like these aren't these aren't offensive juggernauts by any stretch. And um, and yeah, frankly, I just think they they haven't been as crisp. And uh, maybe it's the schedule catching up to them. Maybe it's like emotional. On mental fatigue more so than physical, but mm-hmm. uh, one way or another, I feel like um, I don't know. They need maybe just like a bit of a reset right now in terms of focus and in terms of energy. Yeah, for sure. I think with the way these games have felt inevitable, like you know, when they go down against Brooklyn, when they go down against Indiana, when they go down against Detroit, like you just know in the back of your minds, like we're coming back. Or even the Dallas games, we're, we're coming back. That The Dallas game was the most egregious, I thought. They did literally the bare minimum. And they only yeah. tried for like the last 10 minutes of the game um, between overtime and the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. But, you know, like you can also understand where they're coming from, right? When they keep getting these wins, like it's easier to sort of like gauge how much um, focus and energy you're putting on through the game. And Again, you know, there's all sorts of myriads of factors. Like, you can look at the schedule, like how jam-packed it's been. They've just played so many goddamn games. I'm tired. I'm tired from just talking and blogging about this shit. Like, there's a lot of games right now, um, and they just have to get through it. Um, you know, I think staying, more than anything else, right, the Raptors had to chase that number one seed, and they really uh, had the focus and determination to do that. They overtook the Celtics. Then they firmly entrenched themselves ahead of the Celtics after the Celtics had a great start after the All-Star break. And then the Celtics had all these injuries. And so the Celtics have fallen off. Like the Raptors lost today. The Celtics lost today as well to the Pelicans. 
Um, although I wouldn't trade Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis, apparently. Um, and, you know, like, the Raptors have gotten all these results, and, you know, right now it's sort of just a point where they want to manage, right? Like, they want to look the, look at the big picture. And I think one thing Dwayne Casey's done a really good job of is sort of, uh, you know, keeping a cap on the minutes such that nobody's playing, like, in a, an absurd amount of minutes, right? But also if you just looked at how jam-packed the March schedule has been, like, they just have to get some, you know, guys some rest. And you look at this upcoming week, the Raptors play another four games, Orlando, Cleveland on the road, then Brooklyn and, and, and the Clippers on Sunday. There's a case to be made that you might want to rest DeMar and Serge for at least one of those two games, if not keeping them home for the whole road trip itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that Orlando game is definitely one where we should see one, if not both of those guys rest, because you have back-to-back in Cleveland the next night, and, you know, if you really want to start playing some three-dimensional chess, like, maybe that's the game you rest, guys, because you would rather throw that game to the Cavs and have them, like, firm up the three seed, but... Mm-hmm. Hey, um, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I like that. Yeah. I do like that. I don't want the Cavs um, to fall down to the fourth seed, I mean, No, I prefer for them not to. Like, I'm... We, we, yeah, I mean, we can talk about that, too, about whether, whether we should be worried about the Cavs or not, because they do not look good right now. They, they have a ton of injuries, so mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that, that comes kind of with like some pretty big caveats, but um, yeah, I think it, it's kind of a tough balance to strike if you're Dwayne Casey because you don't want to like mess up the team's rhythm and, and um, you, you don't want to push the rest thing too far where it's like guys are um, you know going into the playoffs having not really been used to playing every other day. And I don't know. I think I just think rhythm is so important in this league. And like you've seen it with the Raptors, like when they get on a roll, they really get on a roll. And do you want to mess with that? Um, at the same time, like you, you basically have the one seed locked up, and you really do want everybody fresh going into the playoffs. So um, it'll be interesting to see, like, kind of where where Casey decides to get guys rest and how. Um, but I think these are good problems to have, you know, like being five games up uh, with 12 games to play is a really good position to be in because it really just leaves the ball in your court. And they're, they're pretty well locked into that number one seat at this point. Um, and I don't think they have to worry about anything other than just, um, you know, being physically and mentally right um, for the real season. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I just think, look, you just got to pick a couple spots here and there. Like, you know, the Raptors have historically, um, had a lot of things to chase at the end of the year. Like, um, even in 2016, we were still going after the, the one seed a little bit. I think we only finished one game back of Cleveland that year. And, and then, um, you know, last year, of course, the Raptors had such a mad scramble to finish the year. And, you know, uh, you know, we finished third, whatever. Um, but, like, this year, I think like, this is the first time the Raptors have a little bit of a buffer. And I hope they do use it. Like, next week is a perfect example. I don't want to see DeMar playing that magic game. And I don't even want to see Serge playing that magic game. Like, Serge, go see your daughter, like, whatever. Like, don't play that magic game. First off, like, Serge has had some performances that have just been so poor that, you know... Actually, let's talk about Serge for a second. Yeah. In terms of... If I'm looking at the roster right now, the one guy that, for me, I'd be least willing to trust to come up big in, a, like, an important moment... Um, might be Surge. Now, I'm saying that having, like, acknowledged the fact that, like, the Mavericks game, Surge is great. 
Like he had a, that steal, he had that block, yeah. he had that rebound, some shots down the stretch too. Like Serge was great in that game, but just overall, like just the reliability with Serge kind of varies so much from day to day that it's hard to rely on him. And he hasn't been closing a lot of these games lately. And when he does, like in that Thunder game, he didn't really make much of an impact, right? So I, yeah. I don't really know so, where I personally stand with Serge. Is what I'm saying. He's kind of worrying me. Uh, yeah, it's. I've been thinking about this a lot, and like I'm, I'm working on a piece about it as well. But um, I, I don't know where I stand with it either because you're right; he hasn't been super reliable this season, especially in the clutch. I actually think like defensively, he's been pretty reliable in the clutch, but um, offensively, like he just hasn't been able to hit any shots when, um, when you know the games have been tight. Um, I'm trying to like pull, I'm going to pull up like his crunch time stats right now while we talk, but uh, they've been they've been really bad. Um, and it's weird because you have this team that is like really inexperienced, right? Like for the most part, obviously Demar, Kyle, Jonas, like they've been there and done that. But like um, the bench that's really like carried this team through so much of the regular season is not like going to be particularly well tested in the hot house of the postseason. And Ivaka really has like he has played in some of the absolute most intense playoff series of the last decade. Um, been to the finals, been to three other Western Conference finals. Like he, you know, I, I don't know. I like if if this team kind of like starts cracking a little bit and starts looking around at somebody to lead by example. Like that's one of the guys who you would expect to be there, being like, "Look, I've been there, and like I'm gonna help pull you guys through this." And so part of me feels like he's going to be really important and they are going to need to rely on him. Like, I, I don't know if you want to be in a position where you need to rely on him, but like, I, I don't know. I, I got to hope that he has like another gear that he can ratchet it up to in the playoffs when there aren't going to be any back-to-backs and when the stakes are such that like, he's going to be locked in every possession. Um, but I don't know today, like today's game was really concerning for me <laughs> because in that Dallas game, uh, I thought it was actually really encouraging. Casey went back to him to close at center, which he hasn't really done for a long time, and mm-hmm. it worked out really well. Like, Serge was great playing the five uh, uh, in the fourth quarter. Like, that, that was unbelievable. He was a huge spark, and that's kind of what helped turn the game around. And then Casey goes back to it um, in crunch time against the Thunder, and, like, the whole thing kind of falls apart. And Kyle being out of the game had a lot to do with that, but Serge also made some, like, really questionable decisions, I thought, in the last couple minutes. And he wasn't very effective at guarding the rim. And he, yeah. Okay, so let me just list out a couple of things with Serge that you know bother me uh, at the moment. One, the three point shot just doesn't look great. Like uh, some games he's going to hit five, and then most games he's going to hit one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's very streaky with it. And, uh, and and of course, like three point shooting is always subject to variance. You know, you're taking a long shot. It, it just is what it is. You, you, it's a make or miss league, Doug. But like. At the same time, like, I'm not fully sure I trust Serge to always knock down the open look as much, right? But that's, like, kind of a minor gripe. I think, like you said, like, defensively, positioning-wise, he's good. He's solid. My other concern with Serge is the uh, fact that he's sort of been baited into a lot of fights this year. And, like, today was another yeah. example where, you know, battling Serge, battling um, Steven Adams, we all know that Serge, despite the fact that he's a pretty built dude, doesn't hold his position well. Um, and could get out wrestled, and you know Stephen Adams is just way bigger than him, more physical, and like Stephen Adams is just like the human Hulk basically. 
Um, and, you know, Ibaka kind of got goaded into that foul where he ends up wrapping up um, as Adams. Like, he kind of, like, the two of them both, again, you can call foul either way. You can call no foul, whatever. But you just can't foul someone in that scenario, bro. That's like a one-possession game. You foul them. That could be a two-possession game, right? And, you know, Steven Adams didn't hit both free throws, so it didn't really ultimately make that big of a difference. But, you know, that's the part where I'm just like, Ibaka, like, can you keep your ch- – can you stay chill? And be like a calming presence because a lot of these games, I mean, Ibaka's been more fired up than anyone else and been kicked out of a lot of more games than anyone else. Like the, the games he's missed, it's not because he's been hurt. Like, I think he had like a knee soreness thing one time, but other than that, he has been just kicked out of a couple of games. Yeah, I know. It's a, that's a concerning thing for sure. And like, the, sometimes you can see it, right? Like, like from the start of the game, it's like he gets frustrated and then he's kind of checked out and it's, certain points like he, he's ready to get himself tossed you know what i'm saying like yeah um and, and he's just like ready to mix it up at like the first opportunity and again i, I just think that that's something that's not going to happen in the playoffs like maybe he'll get dragged into some fisticuffs at some point in time just because he, he seems to have a bit of a short fuse but like Are i don't talk about the guy ha- that punched like griffin in the nuts <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's he's had his beefs you know like Definitely. uh you know um, I feel like everyone in the Western Conference has, though. I don't want to put that just on Surge. Yeah, for sure. But I think, okay, so, like, you, you, you might see something like that happen where, where he gets a little too fired up, but I, I have confidence that you're not going to see instances of him just kind of, like, checking out of games. True. Okay. Um, but, I was, like, yeah. All right, anyway, so so here's Surge's um, crunch time stats this season. He is 8 for 27 from the field, 29.6%, 1 for 9 from 3 um and <laughs> um that's pretty rough man pretty like rough, for rough. for for a guy who you, you you kind of you know expected to be a third option you know and like a, it he hasn't been that um so that's a little disappointing on the one hand but um at, at the same time i feel like what what's been pretty impressive to me about Serge is like he, his role has really been minimized i feel like and he doesn't touch the ball that often, and when he does, like, I, I know he, he's kind of discovered this pump-and-drive game that's been sporadically effective, but for the most part, he's expected to catch it and shoot it or pass it right away, and you never really hear him gripe about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. And I think he's been a pretty good soldier and, like, has has been basically a glorified role player and has played his part, I think, really well, and he does a lot of nitty-gritty subtle stuff that people don't always recognize and it's really easy to recognize when he is not playing well because he, he just like noticeably kind of slow and when the rim protection isn't there like it's jarring it's noticeable because um uh, you know like that's <laughs> like especially when he's he's playing center and and it's like he's not able to get stopped at the rim like he, he's just not really the rim protector he once was unfortunately yeah um, it is, but, that is unfortunate for sure um, I mean, I don't know. I, I just kind of get the sense that like it, they're going to need to rely on him in the playoffs. So, um, I, I think you know, getting used to playing him in crunch time, and I even like obviously like that play at the end of the Mavs game when Demar drove and kicked it out to him, um, and he pumped fake from the three point line and drove it, and actually like got a pretty clean look at a floater. I, I thought that was a good sign, even though he he missed the shot, like. 
the fact that he was so decisive with the ball and like made I thought like a pretty strong move to get into the paint and get mm-hmm. himself a decent look, and that Demar trusted him to do that at the end of the game. Um, I, I thought that that was a, an encouraging sign and kind of validated Demar's faith in that moment because he he wasn't hesitant with it. He didn't like pump and then you know shoot a contested jumper. Like he made a decisive move, and I think uh, those are the kind of things that you want to see him doing. Um, but I don't know, man. I like as like I don't know if the explosiveness is ever going to come all the way back. Yeah, I doubt it. I mean, there are obviously games though when he gets more rest. I think that's where in the playoffs, like with more time in between games, I think I am more willing to trust Serge. Um, I mean, because we've seen the stretches out of him where if he gets ample rest, he plays like an entirely different player sometimes. But yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's concerning. But I mean, like you said, th- his role actually isn't that significant. And I think the Raptors do have a couple options closing games, like you know this game notwithstanding. Although I thought this game the Raptors closed the game fine. It's just defensively they couldn't stop Westbrook, and that was an issue at the start of the game. It was an issue at the end of the game. Um, but like th- of late, the Raptors have closed games pretty well. Um, you know they've had obviously they've you know over this win streak they've. Had a lot of games where you know they've overcome um, leads uh, or sorry deficits where they you know come from behind and win uh, the Pacers game, the Nets game, not the Knicks game. Uh, they held on to a lead against the Rockets, the Pistons game uh, again. That one was very exhilarating. And you know you look at the Hornets game, the Wizards game, like the Raptors. What I'm trying to say is the Raptors have closed games a lot better of late, and um, overall I feel like the Raptors have. Um, I don't know, just found a sort of a confidence and a patience about them to, to finish games. Um, that was a bigger talking point early in the season. What do you think they've changed, um, you know, both offensively and defensively that's um, produced these better results? Or maybe it's just randomness. Yeah, I mean, I can't say, like, without actually, like, going back and watching the film and all these clutch situations, um, like, what sort of specifically has changed. Um, but, um, like... The defense, I think, has been the biggest thing that I've noticed, um, and so much of that has just come down to like guys like making really timely plays, and and Jonas has been one of the guys who I feel like um, has really like made the most of his crunch time opportunities. You know, like ones that he really wasn't getting um, until this season, and for the most part, he's just, he's just been like so solid. Not even in terms of like his awareness, which which is something that's been, like, such a pleasant surprise this season. Like, his defensive IQ, I feel like, has really ramped up. Um, but just kind of, like, I don't know, just, like, coming through, like, making big plays at the rim, like, um, obviously, like, everyone remembers, like, the play that he made against the Bucks at the end of that game, but, like, hitting those two free throws against the Rockets, like, he's been the guy that I feel like I've noticed down the stretch of games where um, he, I don't know, he always seems to be doing the right things. Um, and then, I, I don't know, man. I mean, De- DeMar has done his thing. And like, uh, I've talked about this with you before, like early in the season when the Raptors crunch time offense, like looks so bad and, uh, everyone was focusing on the ISO ball and, you know, why that wasn't working and the Raptors were burning the bad habits and all this. And like, the Raptors were really good in the clutch last year, like one of the best clutch teams last year. And they weren't doing anything differently. It was just the fact that, DeMar was hitting a ton of shots in crunch time. And that was kind of the difference. Um, and he, he just, like, started, you know, basically turning back into that guy of late um, and making huge plays down the stretch. Obviously, the Pistons game was, like, the clearest example of that. But 
Um, I, I do think like they've they've actually like switched that up a bit. Um, obviously, like Demar driving and kicking it to Van Vliet for that game winner against Pistons. Um, him doing the same um, to get Serge that look at the end of the Mavs game. Like there does seem to be a little bit more flow and improvisation and and less like just whittling down the clock and then taking a contested jumper. Um, I don't know. I don't know. What are you seeing? Like, have you seen anything like that's, that's tactically different that they're doing? I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, like there has been more of an emphasis to rely on the flow. I think that's a pretty notable difference. Like if you look at how they closed um, games of late as compared to previous um, games where they lost were like, you know, that jazz game that they lost at home, that was really frustrating. Um, the Heat game before that, I think Larry was hurt for that one. That was yeah, that was the one where they played against the Brooklyn Nets and Larry broke his ass, and then <laughs> Kyle didn't play in that Heat game um, yeah. the day after, which makes a lot of sense. Um, like yeah, like I think there's been a lot more flow, but I think also it's just like I think Casey has done a better job of just finding the right players to play. Like I I think. You know, you can look at that two ways. One way is that, like, the positive um, glass half full way is just, like, that's what you're supposed to do. With a deep roster like that, you should always go to the matchup that works best. You know, like, we've seen Siakam close games. We've seen Proto close games. Ibaka close games sometimes. And JV close games. Like, you know, like, you have four very different bigs right there. And then you should definitely try to find the right combination of players to, like, actually do the job for you. And then if you look at the wing spots, um... You know, generally speaking, it's Fred Van Vliet, and Van Vliet's emergence um, has really helped bring, like, an, an added level of flow to the game because he's not an isolation player. He's someone that, you know, you can trust to shoot the ball and also create a play for someone else. And so when you have a third guy like that, it's kind of more dynamic um, for the offense to sort of function. And also it's just, like, you know, occasionally you have the line right closing game. Like in the Mavericks yeah. game, the line right was better, so they, they closed with the line right. And, you know, Van Vliet's still got some time, of course, but it, it's, I just think Casey's just done a better job of finding the right players for that matchup, um, depending on the opponent. And he's beat a lot of games. He's beat a lot of uh, opponents that way. But the other way you could look at it is, like, the Raptors don't have a set crunch time five, right? Like, if you look at the Rockets, um, if you look at, um, you know, the the Warriors, if you look at the Cavaliers, like, those teams pretty much have a set thing. They do the same thing in crunch time every game, or, like, the Thunder, for example. Whereas, if you look at the Raptors, you don't really quite know, and so maybe there's an issue of continuity, but I, I ultimately think that's not really the case. I, I think, like, you have so much structure between Kyle and Damar that you just have to find the right combination around them. Yeah. I mean, actually, one thing I've noticed, though, is that they've been more willing to, like, push the pace um, in yeah. crunch time, which mm -hmm. is, like, um, That's how they won the Pacers game. I, yeah, exactly. Like so often, start of the season, they really like go into that prevent offense and early too, right? Like five minutes left in the game, and they're nursing like a four point lead, and they're trying to milk the clock. Um, and yeah, that Pacers game, like there was one play. I think there were like maybe like two minutes left in the game, and they get a defensive rebound. And they're up four, and Lowry has a chance to just like slow it down and walk it up, which is what you know they would have done in the past, but. Um, instead he like throws this bounce pass to a streaking DeLon right on the wing and he goes in for a layup, you know, like I, I like seeing that because those are just more effective possessions. Like when you can get out and run, um, I, I feel like, and, and not even like getting out in transition, but just getting into your sets a little bit earlier as opposed to like waiting to get into your sets until there's eight on the shot clock, because that's just generally not going to produce a good look. Um, 
So I feel like being willing to to get into their offense earlier, like get out and run, and not be worried about like taking 22 off the shot clock every single time down, um, has probably helped them offensively uh, a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I mean, otherwise, like I feel like we're talking about the Raptors like they got real problems. They don't really have real problems, you know what I mean? <laughs> like we're comfortably in first place. We've won all these games of late. Yeah, they lost that Thunder game, but it was really a one-possession game that came down to a no-call. Um, even though the Raptors played poor defensively, they still, um, you know, were in it. And, you know, all we're really looking forward to, like you said, man, is just, like, managing health, making sure we're good cutting into the playoffs, and, you know, maintaining some rhythm and, you know, slightly tweaking one thing or there. Well, Vaughn, just quickly, like, what would, what would be the one thing that you want the Raptors to focus on um, tweaking um, ahead of the playoffs? Um, man, I don't know. That's a <laughs> that's a good question. I think honestly, I feel like Siakam needs more run. Um, okay. and so that's weird to say because we were just talking about surge. Um, and how you know I feel like he's going to be an important piece in the playoffs. But uh, Siakam's been so so good. Um, and they have these pretty set like substitution patterns for him. Um, when he's playing like you know between eighteen and like twenty two, twenty three minutes every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like today's game, I thought he was so great in the first uh, half, and then they waited until there were like there was like a minute and a half left in the third quarter to bring him back in the game. And um, I just think he like makes such an impact. And and some of those games when like Serge is sluggish, honestly, like it's such a nice tempo change. Yeah. Um, sure. And uh, like I don't know, like I, I don't know. That's that's a guy whose ceiling I feel like gets higher every single game I see him play. I'm like, he does things that I didn't think he was capable of doing. And, like, the, the fact that he still can't really shoot the ball is a bit of a concern. Like, you don't know whether that's going to mean that uh, he's going to get played off the floor in the playoffs because defenses are just packing the paint and not worrying about him. But, I don't know, he has this ability to, like, a guy will sag 20 feet off of him and he'll just put the ball on the floor and drive right into him and score anyway. Like, he has a way of kind of rendering that irrelevant. And I just would like to see what he can do with a bit of a longer leash and a, and a bit more minutes. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree know. with you. I think, honestly, with the Siakam thing, you probably just have to find more context to play him. And if you want, like, and part of the issue has been that the Raptors bigs have collectively played phenomenal this year. Like, center has been a real spot of strength for the Raptors, so, so much so that Serge doesn't even have to play there. Like, last year, Serge played a ton of center. This year, not so much because, like, Pardo's been so great. JV's come on so strong. Um, Surge is, you know, you're not ever going to not play Surge. And so, like, it's just hard to find those minutes. But, you know, having some minutes with Surge and Siakam is a combination. You know, maybe JB and Siakam. That's a bit unorthodox, I think. But that's something you can think about. But I think, you know, like you said, man, like, the fact that Siakam has been thrown into so many different scenarios and held up in so many scenarios. Like, defensively, he's been able to guard pretty much whichever position you put out there. I mean, we've seen him, guard, like, you know, put the clamps on guards. We've seen him, you know, shut down Harrison Barnes, which shouldn't sound impressive, but trust me, it was a a big feat to have someone shut down Harrison Barnes against the Mavericks. Um, And, you know, even today, like, Siakam did the best job on Carmelo. Like, Carmelo was hitting a lot of tough shots on that search, but good defense. But, you know, he couldn't even – Melo couldn't even get a shot off against Siakam in isolation. And, um, 
yeah, I think that's definitely going to be an issue for the Raptors is uh, those big wings, those big power wings. And Siakam is kind of one of our best bets to uh, to guard that. And, you know, that that's pretty much what I would think in terms of what the Raptors need to improve, you know, down the stretch is just find some clarity at that small forward spot. I swear to God, I feel like this is a, a question all the time. But with OG back in the lineup, you know, he's had some good moments. He's had some bad moments. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, get OG back up to speed. Um, get him to, you know, be where he needs to be physically to be able to guard these bigger threes because, like, we badly, badly need him to be able to put up a stop. And if he's going to struggle with Harrison Barnes, then I can't even imagine what happens in the playoffs yeah. with I mean, what, LeBron. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, or something like that, you know? Yeah. I don't know if... Uh... Yeah, I don't know if it's a rookie wall thing or what, but he, he he just hasn't been the same guy that he was at the start of the season. Although he had a really nice baseline move. Uh, oh, Euro stuff. I guess the Thunder. Yeah, um, would like to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that another thing is I think, um, and this goes back to uh, crunch time. But like so often they when they do have Jonas out there in crunch time, they will for whatever reason park him in the corner. Yeah, that's gonna stop, man. And not like involve him in the offense at all. Like even if it's just to use him as a screener, um, I just don't. Yeah, I don't really understand the purpose of that. Like I get that they're you know he's like a stretch five now, but I I just don't think that's the optimal way to use him. Uh, If he's gonna be on the floor at the end of the game, like involve him in the offense. Like that's that's where he's giving you value. Um, And also, look if you if you want to use him as stretch five, you can also do that with him on the ball. You set a screen exactly. Like and for DeMar, DeMar goes into the paint, two guys go with DeMar, JV's wide open for three. Boom. And he's, he's better at spotting up, like, yeah. facing the rim than in the corner. He takes a lot more shots facing the rim. Yeah. Like, straight on. I, I mean, it's weird. I, and, I, and I wonder how much of that just has to do with the fact that, like, DeMar just seems to be more comfortable getting switched onto, like, smaller guys that he can kind of shoot over or, like, bully in the post rather than um, bigger guys. He's, he's not, like super explosive turn in the corner, and I feel like when bigger guys get switched onto him, it's not always, like, a favorable matchup. Um, and it's kind of the same with Lowry. Like, Lowry just, like, has lost any ability to beat guys off the balance, it feels like. Um, so sometimes maybe, like, the when, like, those switches uh, with bigs aren't as advantageous as you might think. But even so, like, Jonas is just such a good screen setter, and he's so good. Um, like, he's honestly, he's gotten so much better on the short roll yeah, um, yeah. whether it's like pulling up for a mid-range jumper or actually like making that read in a pass to the corner uh, or just rolling hard to the hoop like um, I just feel like they should be taking advantage of that more if they're going to have him on the floor yeah for sure yeah okay those are the things to work on they're very mi- minute things really <laughs> but you yeah. know um, the Raptors have four games like I said coming up next week Orlando on Tuesday in Orlando uh, last time the Raptors went to Orlando, it was a fun shootout, and then the Raptors took it seriously and crushed them. And then we had these touching scenes where, you know, we're saying, you know, hello to Bismack uh, and Terrence Ross, and it was a very sweet gesture to see everyone uh, hang back and dap them up. I kind of foresee the same thing happening in Orlando. And, and like I said earlier, I would very much like to see Serge and, and DeMar rested for this game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that's a win. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the Magic are actively trying to lose, so it, it's it's hard to lose a game hey, like man, that. They as we the, saw, they beat the Bucks. That's not true. I saw DJ Augustine hang a classic DJ Augustine performance against the Bucks. 
Yeah. Um, I, man, I, mean, I don't understand that Bucks team at all. It's too much Eric Bledsoe. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you think the issue is? That's part <laughs> of the issue, and also the part of the issue is just perception. Like, we think every single one of the Bucks players are 20 to 30% better than they are. I guess, but even so, like they they should be better than they are. They, they just be. should. They have more um, bigs. That 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 hurts. They like okay. I get this. This is why they worry me honestly as a playoff opponent mm-hmm. um, more than they might otherwise. Be- yeah, well, Giannis, but also they never play Giannis at the five, um, and maybe that's just because they don't want him to get beat up in the regular season. But like having that as kind of like a you know an ace in the hole in the playoffs. Is really frightening because I just feel like all like, those would be their best lineups. Just play him at the five. Like you don't need to play John Henson. Like Giannis is as tall as John Henson, <laughs> and you can just surround him with shooters. Uh, like like you don't need to have like you don't need to have Thon Maker out there for twenty minutes a game. You just don't. So, I agree with you. I thought that's what they would do last in last year's playoffs, um, but they just ultimately never went to it. Although part of that was because Thon Maker kept randomly sunning the Raptors, and that was right. very depressing. But yeah. uh, as for the Magic, yeah, we, we're getting that win. Raptors have a back to back, so they play the Magic on Tuesday. On Wednesday, they travel to Cleveland to play the Cavaliers. Um, they won't have Kevin Love for that game still, um, and you know they still have some other injuries they're dealing with. The Cavs. Um, you know, here's the thing with the Cavs, right? In this game, like you said earlier, do you want to play 4D chess and try to give Cleveland the win as much as possible? Um, because of late, like the Cavs have not played the way you would expect them to play. I mean, that's sort of been the case all season. But uh, you know, losing to Washington, losing to San Antonio, losing to Philadelphia, losing to Denver, losing to the Clippers, losing to the Lakers, and then losing to the Blazers in recent games. LeBron needed a triple double just to beat the Bulls by five points. I mean, like, sheesh. Yeah. Again, look, okay, look, they're, they're really, really banged up. Yeah, for sure. Um, but and they're on a West Coast they... string. Like, whatever. It's hard yeah. to win on the West Coast. I understand. For sure. I mean, so, that said, uh, even when they've been healthy this year, they, they just, uh, they, they just haven't looked that good, like, at any point, really. Like, even that 18 out of 19 stretch that they had, they played some of the worst teams in the league. It, the yeah, exactly. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but like I know uh, they're probably still the consensus favorite in the East. Mm-hmm. But and sure, like LeBron has earned himself the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, no doubt. But them winning the East would be pretty unprecedented given what their team has done this season. We're talking about. Um, they have like a barely positive point differential. Barely. Uh, 28th ranked defense. And by pretty much any measure, they would be one of the worst teams to ever make the finals. Yes. So. This team looks um, very much like the 2010 Cavaliers. Like when right, you look at the 20... names on this roster, you're like, what are they doing here? Like, yeah. <laughs> Except the 2010 Cavs were like, they were like a 61 win juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. I think they lost that, one that, game all season at home too. Yeah, that and that and the team was like like the third best defense in the league. They, yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. It, it's tough because yeah, recent precedent um, is obviously gonna make you feel like there's nobody in the East that can beat the Cavs. And and honestly, like yeah, until 
one team proves otherwise, uh, I think that's fair. Yeah. But it's just hard for me to see it. Like they, they just haven't been able to stop anybody at any point. Yeah. You know, they haven't had like any good stretches at that end of the floor all season long. And like the guys who have been such important contributors for them in the past have just not been the same guys. Like J.R. Smith has not been the same guy. He's been terrible. Tristan Thompson has been terrible. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like Kevin Love coming back will be big, but is that going to like make the difference between them basically like performing like a 500 team and performing like a conference champion? I, I, I don't know. Having said all that, I don't want to see the Cavaliers until I <laughs> must see the Cavaliers. So I'm going to try to, fair feed enough. Them. I'm going to try to feed them that W. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But I, I doubt the Raptors do. So I think the Raptors just smack the cows. They just, you know. Which would be nice to see play. as well. Yes, that's true. You know what? You're right. You're right. I like that. I like that game. There's, there's, there's no, there's a, it's a zero. There's, it's going to be good either way. It's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Friday, the Raptors play host to the Brooklyn Nets, uh, where DeMar Carroll will finally come to Toronto again and probably be wooed or whatever. I don't think we care about DeMar Carroll like that, to be honest. People will definitely boo him. Um, I'm surprised no one booed there's, Patterson. There's no doubt in my mind. Patterson didn't really, like... He didn't do anything wrong, really. I mean, no, he, like, he like, like went to EFS to party, like, whatever, <laughs> like, right after the Raptors got swept and yeah. he had eight points all, the entire series, but, like... <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, he, he left on a bit of a sour note. Uh, that Cavs series was atrocious, but you know, I don't think I don't think Raps fans really care about him skipping his exit interview enough to boo him. You know, and also, Damari like came and there was already this negative perception about him just because he signed that huge contract, and he kept never fur. <laughs> Seriously, the fact that Damari Carroll kept dressing like a pirate like made people yeah. so upset. Well, yeah. I mean, let's, if Pete is in the house uh, for that next <laughs> Nets game, I'm sure they're going to boo him. But yeah. he, you know, he never had much hope of living up to that contract, and so people were already upset about him. Uh, you know, pretty much as soon as he got here, mm-hmm. and then you know what put it over the top. You know, apart from the fact that he just like didn't ever really have it, uh, was a the fact that they had to send out a first round pick just to get rid of him. Yeah, and b the fact that. You know, he decided to make some comments on his way out the door that angers some people, even though they, these were pretty much things that the team has since admitted about itself and mm-hmm. and um, completely refashioned itself as a result uh, to staggering results. So um, quite prescient on his part, to be honest, um, and uh, not necessarily something that he should get booed over, but probably something that he will get booed over. Yeah, that's my feeling. Yeah. I just don't think he's important enough to get booed. It's not really good for the reputation, but I don't think so either. But 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 you know, as I've said, I, I've been to Raptors games where Charlie Villanueva has been booed. A guy, a guy <laughs> who, traded, a guy who we traded, who said nothing but great things about the city of Toronto, and who had, by all accounts, a great rookie season. Like dropped forty-eight points in a game in a loss, in a loss, yeah. Wolfon. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No, we win that game. Um, anyway, I'm just saying. You know, nothing's too petty for a Toronto sports fan. That is true. That is true. Um, yeah, I say we win that Brooklyn game. Uh, I feel like you probably say the same, yeah? Yeah, definitely. It'll be annoying. They're always annoying. Yeah, that's but. true. Uh, and then on Sunday, the Raptors play the Clippers. Also at home. That's also a win. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, we lost to the Clippers 
earlier this year. How do you uh, Deion... how we lost to the Clippers? Like, when you look at how good this Raptors team is, mm-hmm. and, like, the Clippers, I know they've had, like, a surprising season. Like, there's somehow six games over 500. Like, they have a better record than the Bucks. While playing in the tougher yeah. conference, I don't understand it. But at the same time, like, the Raptors should beat the Clippers. Shouldn't be an issue. Like, it also helps that JV usually dominates Demari, um, not Demari, um, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, that's true. And he, he was dominating him in, uh, yeah. in that last game until he weirdly got taken out of the game. Um, oh, the hive was upset and, that night. Yeah. And deservedly so. You know, yeah, they, exactly. they, you know, in that case definitely had a legitimate gripe. Yeah. So hopefully we won't see that happen again. And, uh, yeah, I think that's probably a win. But they've been playing really well. They're a good team. Tobias Harris has been balling of late. Um, Lou Williams, always balling. Um, always. So I don't think that'll be an easy game, but I do think that's probably a Raptors win. So. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I, guess, I guess we just called it 4-0 week. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying we got to give that game to the, the Cavs. We honestly, okay. we have to make sure the Cavs finish third, okay? okay. God damn, man. Look at this. The Cavs are embarrassing. The Cavs are really embarrassing. They get every benefit of the doubt. Any game they play well, it's like, ah, oh, the Cavs are back. They could crush everybody. And then, like, they play one game poorly, and it's like, well, they're going to flip the switch. Like, it's just really annoying. Like, the Cavs are the anti-Raptors. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, In many ways. It's, it's going to be really frustrating to me if if they win the East again. Because I'm already so it's just going to be it. It's just going to be confirmation that, like, none of this shit matters, you know? Seriously. Why do we bother playing these 82 games? All right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, nah, I'm kidding. This has been like a like a joy-filled season, and uh, um, even even if it doesn't end in a finals appearance, like I'm going to be extremely grateful for for this regular season. Um, Completely agreed. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back on the other side, and we'll take some Twitter questions. I'm Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Injury Lawyers, and you know what makes me mad? When insurance companies deny your claim for no good reason. That's why people call me. I'm the lawyer insurance companies don't want to deal with. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Still here with Wolfon. We're taking your Twitter questions. Um, as always, hit us up at Raptors Republic. The first one comes from N. That's the whole Twitter name is just N. Um, can any of the top eight East teams exploit the one five pick and roll like OKC did today to the Raptors in the playoffs? So, um, the one five pick and roll. Um, like it, it'd just be different, I think, for any team. Like none of the teams in the East have a, a center like Stephen Adams, who is basically like really mobile and fluid, but also just like huge. Yeah. And super physical, um, and and I just think the reason he's such a problem for the Raptors is because they have guys who are really big and they have guys who are really mobile, but they don't really have anybody who is like a combination of those two things. Um, Serge is supposed to be the combination of the two things, but Serge is not strong. He is, yeah. yeah he's he's giving up a lot of size and strength to Adams still. Yeah, um, for sure. And. And Jonas has a size, but like as you saw um, when he was trying to guard those pick and rolls today, he just—he's not quick enough to like be able to challenge uh, like the like to challenge Westbrook on the drive while also basically like containing Adams. Like that's just too much to ask of him. And um, I, I don't see like 
I mean, Embiid, I guess, it, it like it profiles similarly, but the Sixers don't really have a point guard who does what Westbrook does. Like Simmons is a beast, but he he doesn't have that same just like explosiveness getting to the rim. And so I don't think that would be as much of a problem. But if if any matchup scares me for that reason, it's definitely Philly because that that poses all the same problems, right? Like his size and his mobility, and also like even more so than Adams has an ability to kind of stretch it out. So he can just hurt you in so many different ways that uh, I don't necessarily see the Raps as having an answer to that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. But I mean, like. To the extent the Raptors are hurt today, I mean, like, the Raptors' pick-and-roll defense all season, I feel like, has been pretty solid. It's just, one, Westbrook and Adams were playing phenomenal today, and all credit to them, but also, like, the Raptors are really exhausted. Like, I don't feel like the Raptors have been killed as much on one five pick-and-roll this year as they normally would have. Like, the the defense, what they would, with the way they're sort of rotating, like, it's almost okay that the Raptors, you know, invite these drives, because they've been so good at helping and recovering that... Right. Most of the time, is not an issue. I think this is just a particularly bad night. But um, it was, and also like shouts to Westbrook, man. Yeah, he was insane. He was insanely good. Also, like if Westbrook misses like one of those like ridiculous shots he was taking down the stretch, it's 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 a loss for the Thunder. Yeah. So you know, like he had a he hit a pull up thirty two footer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also think like okay, yeah. So that is all true. I also think. Um, that the Raptors were making it really tough on JV, I think, with with how they were playing those pick-and-rolls and trying to, like, chase Westbrook over the screen every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this a bunch, like I was tweeting it during the game, but I just think that it made sense to play that way against Houston that has, you know, devastating pull-up three-point shooters. Uh, I would be happy with Westbrook, like, taking pull-up threes um, and just, like, having the guard go way under the screen. And if he wants to take those pull-up threes and make them then good on him but um to kind of put Jonas in that position where he's basically playing one on two every time I just felt like was asking to do too much um next one comes from Eli I'm sorry we're not going to be able to take all the questions it's kind of too many I'm going to try to go back on Twitter actually and respond to a lot of them but um yeah there's just too many right now from Eli um how concerned are you about the Raptors playoff defense um how concerned are you about playoff defense is simply sagging off any non-Lowry, Van Vliet, and Miles Raptors uh, and for them to clog the paint and make the weaker shooting Raptors beat them with long-range shooting? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a concern. But I, think... I feel like it's a concern for every single team, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's all, is, like, yeah. That's what the playoffs do. Like They separate like the true shooters from the guys who are like, you know, sort of make it slash fake it type shooters. Like, you know what I mean? Like, again, not to disparage Patrick Patterson, but, like, that kind of shooter. Like, okay, we'll see if you're confident enough to actually hit five in a game because we're just going to ignore you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. That's, uh, like, even against the Warriors, right? It's like teams basically will game plan to try and make Draymond Green beat them with open threes, make Iguodala hit open threes. Mm -hmm. Um, Those guys are going to get open looks, but uh, I think, you know, a lot of teams would prefer for the ball to be in those guys' hands. Um, as opposed to you know Steph or KD or Clay, so yeah, that that is gonna be a thing. Um, and OG is a guy who I feel like could get played off the floor if he's not if he's not confident, he's not making threes. Um, Siakam we talked about 
like how is he going to respond? Like, uh, I, I worry less about him than OG just because, like I said, he he's really able to make stuff happen off the dribble mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think OG can. But I, I think the Raptors have enough good shooters, and, and Delon's progress on that front has been really encouraging. Um, but between Lowry and uh, Miles and Van Vliet and I don't know, fingers crossed for DeRozan. Um, you know, like his three point shooting has been like non-existent in the playoffs for ever. Um, even the years when he has kind of like gotten his attempts up, like they, they've just kind of evaporated in the playoffs. So he's a guy I think who, um, that could, that could swing a lot of different things. Like if he was confident and willing as a three point shooter in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, also, the Raptors have enough, like, so-so shooters that, like, you know, one of them might get hot. Like, one last year when Norm hit 12 of 12, that kind of swung a series. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't anticipate that happening again. But uh... but someone could be Norm, including Norm. Norm could be Norm. Norm, please, be Norm. <laughs> It'll be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Norm had a rainbow three today and a layup over Patrick Patterson. Yeah, I thought Norm was fine today. Like, he has so little know. margin for error. I feel so bad for him. I know, man. Yeah, he has come around just, a little bit though. Like he's he not has, just consistently like, bad every single game. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a very low bar. But yeah, the goalposts have shifted on that front considerably. Yeah. But um, look, at the end of the day, I think the Raptors are going to be benefited a lot by the fact that they have um, kind of empowered so many different people to feel confident and comfortable as playmakers. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be the biggest difference that we see between this playoff run and playoff runs of years past, where guys would look extremely shook and not know what to do when they caught the ball because they weren't used to being asked to make plays. And up and down the roster from... Um, from DeLon to Siakam to Fred to Jonas even. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, I think, is is pretty confident um, being able to put the ball on the floor, being able to make a productive pass, um, and being relied upon to do so. Uh, and I just think that's going to help. Right. And maybe, maybe the fact that the team isn't like an elite shooting team is going to be an issue at some point in time, but I feel like they have enough weapons to get past that. Yeah, and the movement of the team overall has been a lot better. The movement and passing has really kind of bridged the gap there because yeah. before it was like stagnant. If the Raptors couldn't get something out of pick and roll, it was over. Now, you know, you can run different plays. Um, next one from RG. This is a post that, you know, you wrote about actually um, earlier this season. Ranking the Young Guns 2.0, who's the best? Um, yeah, that's man. A, that's a fun um, question, but also extremely <laughs> tough, man. They're they're also like good in different ways. Um, yeah. I think that's what's so fun about that group is like they all do different things. They're all really mutually complementary. They've all each had a twenty point game except for Pirtle, I think. Right? Pirtle only had eighteen. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, so they've all had eighteen point games. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm ranking them right now, mm-hmm. I think I put Pascal at number one. I agree with you, man. Siakam has come on so strong. Yeah, um, just. He he's the most versatile of them by far, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And his defense is so so good. Um, his his interior passing is so so good. Yep. And 
um, in like his one on dribble game. Yeah, it, it's wild, man. He just and he and he constantly surprises me. And it, yeah. like his ability to like he has these spin moves that are seemingly just like impossible to stop. He hits these like weird herky jerky off balance layups that are impossible to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and just his activity and his motor um, are, I think, unmatched. So he would be my number one guy. Um, and honestly, like after that, I feel like it's kind of it's kind of like a clump. Um, it is a clump, yeah. With like I, I put like Van Vliet, uh, Delon, and Pirtle all sort of on the same level. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't know if I could rank those guys like two through four, but. Um, I feel like DeLon, like, he probably has the most potential out of the three of them, but, like, in terms of does he consistently put it together on a night-to-night basis, he doesn't really have that, whereas, like, Van Vliet gives you a baseline of, like, intensity that maybe DeLon doesn't show outwardly as much as Van Vliet does. But, like, Van Vliet, just the fact that he's become Lowry 2.0 is, like, is huge. Like, he fits the system perfectly. He's, He's a really important player. He's just kind yeah, of small. He, yeah. He like I mean, you know, if you're comparing their physical tools, it's no contest, right? Yeah. But he just sort of has this uh, like attacking mentality that I feel like Delon sometimes has, but definitely mm-hmm. doesn't consistently have. You know, Delon has a tendency to like fade out of game sometimes. I think. And when Delon has that attacking mentality, he's insane. Like, look at today, yeah. man. Like, he had what like 15 points on six eight shooting with a three. The three point shot for for Delon. The fact that that's coming around. That he's confident in it and that he's taking. He's not a pull-up shooter, but if he catches it off the, in the spot-up situations, he's great. When he drives to the rim, like he's got so many different finishes. He's so long, like he can, you know, you can push the pace. He's a good passer, like incredible finisher. Yeah, and then like, we're not even getting to Pirtle, who's like, yeah, bro, Pirtle, like defensively, he's like aside from post-up bigs, like this is not the week to gas Pirtle because he kind of got cooked this week, but. Cypher post up Vicks, Pirtle's defense, his tenacity, his shot blocking, his like and how efficient he is around the basket, like, you know, there's a case to be made for all of them. Yeah. For oh, sure. OG. Um yeah. yeah, OG is like I think, you know, again, if we're talking about sort of long term projection, like he would definitely be up there and like, you know, possibly even ahead of some of those guys. But I think if we're just talking about right now, mm-hmm. uh I, I think he's a cut below those other four guys. And Norm, I guess. Yeah. There's too many yeah. young guys on this team. Um, We're almost forgetting those dudes. Norm probably is the <laughs> lowest one. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we were going to throw Malcolm Miller in that mix? Or? No, no, no. Come on. Malcolm Miller is like 27 <laughs> years old. He's 25. He's the same age as, uh, as DeLon and Norm. Yikes. Yeah. And JV, um, don't forget about JV. Don't forget that JV's still 25. He was a 92 baby. There you go. Yeah, you're um, the monkey. Yeah, uh, man, they it's 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 cause for a lot of optimism. That uh, yes, for sure. Um, and a lot of stress, I guess, if you if you start thinking about you know uh, Fred's restricted free agency and uh, Delon's a year after that, and you know the team's ability to keep this band together. Uh, we'll because well, don't worry. Once once Lowry and and Serge like move their big contracts off the books and JB comes off the books, so that's like what sixty million between them. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I would, yeah, I'd very much 65. love to see all of these guys play with each other for the next, you know, five years. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. I would love the bench unit to just become the starting unit one day. <laughs> yeah. And then DeMar somehow is just the crazy, like, six man that comes off the bench <laughs> and he's kind of old. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And that's the Spurs model, man. That's, it really would be. Know? Just DeMar somehow just graduates into becoming Manu, which is at the start of their careers, like, Damar and Manu could not be more <laughs> on, on, like different, but now I don't know. Still pretty different, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so a couple more questions here. This is from Six Sports Fan. How many seconds were left in the game before you got teed and ejected by Mark Davis? <laughs> uh. Um. Man. Yeah. I was. Uh... I was pretty calm, you know. I wasn't. Uh, You're a pro. I wasn't about. To, I wasn't about to get myself tossed, but uh, it was. It was pretty hilarious what was happening at the end of that game. Like, I, I don't know what uh, Ibaka did or said to get himself tossed, but I trusted he got his money's worth because he always seems to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know who just Dwayne, swore at him? You, you, you know he swore at Mark Davis in like six different languages. Yeah, he dropped him a fuzzy on him easily, easily, many times. Um, but, actually, how dare you disrespect my <laughs> fuzzy? I mean, Casey, like, I, I, I like, Casey didn't even I don't, say anything, man. I don't think he's been, I don't think he's been tossed from a game this year, so. Um, it was, uh, it was getting pretty out of hand, and, I don't know, I guess Mark Davis at that point was just, uh, at his wit's end, he decided he'd had enough, and, uh, I don't know, he just didn't want to deal with any more Raptors, so he sent them all to the dressing room. You know, Serge, uh, said to Mark Davis, uh, Puta madre. <laughs> My Spanish is not good, but I do know what I'm sworn at. Nice. Um, okay, and the last question from Mark. Uh, is there an obvious way to improve our defensive rebounding outside of increased effort? Um, defensive rebounding, the Raptors are 15th in defensive rebounding percentage. Um, but, you know, more to the case, the Raptors have been overpowered at times. Um, we've seen it against the Spurs. We've seen it against OKC. Um, you know, it is an area of weakness where you can attack the Raptors. So, Wolfon, what do you think about the rebounding? Um, yeah, I feel like actually the, their issues have been less about getting overpowered. I, that has been a problem sometimes when uh, when Pearl's playing center, but um, or or when they go small with Ibaka at the five. But like, I actually think the bigger issue has been um, when one of the bigs comes over to help uh like there isn't always uh like a ton of awareness um about boxing out mm -hmm. uh the big guy um and so it's like you know you'll have Pirtle basically come over to help at the rim and he'll force a miss but there's nobody boxing out his guy and it's like an easy putback um so i feel like that has happened a lot and that's been a big part of the problem um but uh i mean I don't know if there's, like, an easy fix to that, except, um, I don't know. I'm just, like, being just being better about picking up a guy and boxing him out. Uh, but that, that's always going to be an issue, you know, because you're still going to end up with a small trying to box out a big um, when your big rotating over to help. So, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think something, some things like rebounding, like, um, comes down to scheme a lot. And I think with the way the Raptors cover, which does involve a lot of scrambling and rotating, um, you know, there is an element to that where, like you said, like it's going to be harder when 
um, the big is engaged on the shotgun test, and then someone else has to come in and get the boards. I just think that like it's a it's a thing depending on the matchup, right? Like who in the Raptors um, playoff picture is gonna hurt the Raptors this much on the glass? Like maybe the Sixers because the Sixers are so physical, but like yeah. you know, aside from that, like Milwaukee, not really. Um, you know, Indiana, not really. Like Indiana will try to go for the boards, sure, but like realistically, I don't think we're going to be out muscled there. And um, I think we could box those guys out. Miami, mm-hmm. maybe, but they kind of play small too. And then you look at Boston, like, I, like they're way weaker defensively and rebounding wise than than we are. Um, Cleveland, same thing. Like you know, like in Washington as well. Like I just don't see a team that's going to kill us, like OKC or even San Antonio. We just don't have that many beastly te- opponents uh, in the Eastern Conference in terms of physicality. So I'm I'm not as worried about that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I don't think it's a huge concern either. Like that's one of those things too that really sticks out when it is an issue. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it always seems like it's a bigger problem than it is because when you know you have a game where you get pounded on the offensive glass it just like feels really dire yeah. um but like you said like they're pretty much middle of the pack in defensive rebounding and i think even better than that in rebounding overall so um i don't think it's too much of a concern but i would agree with you i think like philly is really the team that could hurt them more than any other because they're just huge like across the board they're huge um, and then Miami, just because they play with like a lot of physicality and energy, and I feel like kind of gang rebound and crash the boards a lot. So um, I don't know. I I think like not not something to be overly concerned about. Yeah. 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 I mean, look, they're up to some fifty-two wins, man. We there's not that much to be worried about overall. They're um, insanely good. Yeah. Insanely good. We really are. Like, um, just. Uh, yeah, as I said on Twitter like a few days ago, just just enjoy it, man. Like just watch like watch every single game if you can, um, yes. and and just soak this in, you know, because this season's gonna be over soon. Uh, hopefully not that soon. Like uh, it's just uh, we've never experienced anything like this before, and um, and you just got to appreciate every minute of it because it's been wild, man. Wild ride. Yeah, it really has been. Joey, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thank you for having me on, man. As always, we got to banter about the fact that you have a strange Twitter handle, which is Joey underscore double U, not the letter, but the words. That's it. That's it. Not that strange. No. No. I mean, you know, it's a little bit of a, I don't know, it's, uh, it's a little bit extra, but. Yeah. It's okay. You're a little, it is. You're a little uh, bit extra. So. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Yeah, you'll find uh, a lot of. Yeah, come uh, find me. Give me a follow. Yeah, you'll find a lot of um, great basketball and great tennis commentary on there, man. How was the Delpo Federer match? It was awesome. It was uh, actually like yeah, one of the best uh, men's matches I've watched this season for sure. Mm-hmm. Like super competitive, super dramatic. Both guys were extremely perturbed uh, throughout the match, and uh, I was really happy the Delpo won. Um, because Federer's been winning everything, and Delpo, like for as you know, uh, as as much of an up and down career as he's had, like he's had some high highs and some low lows, but he he'd never won a Masters 1000 before, which is pretty crazy um, for a guy as good as he is. So um, it was nice to see him break through, and 
yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited for the for the French Open. There you go. There you go. Months. Yeah. All right. Follow Wolf on. Um, keep listening to the podcast, and we'll be back next week. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.